We're in more than words. It was about four, week four or five, something like this, of eight. Uh, we had a break last week. Did y'all think, did, were y'all here for Mother's Day? Was Rachel good or what? I'm telling you, that girl is anointed. She is highly anointed. Uh, but we have been talking about symbols. I'm going to explain symbols here in a, a couple of weeks. My wife and I are heading off to Chile tonight. That's, the, that's a country. It's not a food. It's a country way down in South America. We're heading off there. And, and Rick, Rick is going to take over the reins here next week. Y'all show up. Give him a big round of applause. That's not a break week because Pastor Nathan's not here. You show up because Rick is here and he's going to bring a powerful word. But following that, we've got symbols. And I'm going to explain this whole thing of what symbols, symbolism in Scripture. We've talked about bread. We've talked about love. We've talked about dominion. We've talked about water. We've even discussed a rock a little bit. But there's all spiritual connections, all spiritual things pointing to the Word, pointing to Jesus, because Jesus is the Word, right? Jesus is the Word. So we said this, how long can you go without eating food? And science says about 40 to 80 days. How long can you go without water? It's less. It's 4 to 14 days. It's pretty rough. How long can you go without breathing? Three minutes, maybe. Not long. Today we're talking about breath. We're talking about breath. Because we've got some malnourished, dehydrated, and Christians that are not breathing in the Word of God, and so we're walking around ill, incapacitated, without the fullness of what God purposed us for. We're not eating. I, last, year, last week I asked you, for God's sake, take a bath. Because He's washing us. He committed to wash us with the Word. He washed us with the Word. But many Christians are not taking a bath, and so we're going to move. I'm going to give you the first verse that you'll learn. If you ever go through Bible college, they will drive this in, because without this this verse right here, the rest of Scripture really means nothing to you. It's 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That five words is literally one Greek word. Given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so this word, actually five words that we have given by inspiration of God is actually one, one word. Theos neustos. Theos neustos. And neustos literally means to breathe. Or it comes from the word pneuma, which is spirit. It's wind. So it's breath. It has three meanings. So when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts, it was the breath of God. The breath of God fell. The pneuma of God fell. Theos means God. So you put these two words together, it means God breathed. Theopneustos. God breathed. And so, in fact, the the NIV says it this way, all Scripture is God breathed. They just used one word or two words hyphenated and said, all Scripture is God breathed. We get our word inspiration from this, which means to breathe in. That's where we get inspiration. We breathe the Word of God in. We, we breathe in what He is breathing out. An example would be, man, I was so inspired by the message today. Or, boy, whenever I heard that podcast, I just got inspired. I read this book, I got inspired. So what, it's saying, what we're saying is, man, I just breathed that in, and it gave me something. It gave me something I didn't have beforehand. I I just breathed it in. But there's another word that I want to share with you, and that word is is exhale. It's expire. 
We have inspire, but then we have expire. And literally means to, to exhale. So I wanna, there, there, there's, there's multiple meanings, of course, but the, the primary meaning is to exhale. So when we, we're inspired, because we're breathing in, what God has, have, has expired. So we're breathing in the breath, the very breath that has been expired. Now you think, whenever you think expire or hear expire, you're probably thinking, oh yeah, I've got those on my cans in my pantry, and so it says, yeah, 2013. But for my generation, that's all good. It's time that we just move that to the front. We eat that first and go ahead and get rid of it while it says 2013. It's really more of a suggestion in our minds than anything because we didn't grow up with expiration dates. I didn't have that. That's why I would open up a jar of ragu when I was a kid and it might have mold on it and just kind of scrape the mold out and then you eat the rest of it. It's down in. It's just the top that it's bad. Like cheese right now. You get that, you know, you get some cheese in a, in a, a cup. I get it from Costco. Now, it might have some mold on the top, but cheese is supposed to mold, right? That's what makes it good. So you just kind of scrape that layer off, and everything else underneath that's good. Expiration date. You don't need expiration dates. In fact, the, like seat belts. I rode in the back window of my dad's little 78 Corvette or whatever it was, any car. My mom's Tornado. Y'all know what Tornado, Oldsmobile Tornado? Come on. Uh, we would ride in the back window. Seat belts were just optional. And my mother could stop anything with one arm that was flying through as she hit the brake. It was just like automatic. You know how that arm, when a bus, when a bus stops with your kids, it just kind of that arm that says stop swings out? That was my mom's arm. As soon as you hit, it was like this. It, I, I'm a little concerned, guys. We need to pray for this next generation coming up because I think we're raising up a bunch of sissies. I mean, I would, ride, I would ride to Shreveport in the back of my dad's truck to go to Watertown, the little water place, and I, we usually had a whole baseball team of people in the back of my dad's truck. There's nine of us fighting in, uh, sitting, in, uh, sitting in, going about an hour and 15 minutes down the road, and we'd have blankets and sheets back there just playing. Nobody cared. Nobody, we would literally put the tailgate down and ride on the tailgate, dragging our foot down the concrete on the pavement just because. We would ride our skateboards, grab on the, on the, side, the back of a truck, and just let the truck take us wherever we needed to go until we were ready to get off. There were nobody policing all of that. Nobody cared. And we, we, I lived. Here we are. Yet here we are. Somebody, somebody's mom got upset about something and started putting in all these regula- regulations. And I really think it's just a, it's, it, it's a, it's a cop. It's a, it's a way to get us to spend more money faster. Oh, we're going to put an expiration date on that thing. Well, that's how, that's how these businesses make so much money. Eat it. Eat it. It's going to be fine, all right? So we're, talk- we're talking about inspire and expire. So God inspired Scripture because he breathed it into man. He expired it into man. He inspired it out of him, and he inspired it into them. They took it all in. Let's look at this. 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. I mean, I can't decide what Scripture says. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, God expired into men and inspired them with his breath, which his breath, which is full of words of life. Like, whenever he breathed, it's just full of molecules that are full of words and life, and wherever it is intended to go, it produces. That's amazing. 
Think about it, because he said he spoke and the earth became. Wow, that's huge. It's huge. So th- there's this thing about where the, there's an attack on Scripture today, and it's talking about the inerrancy. The inerrancy, meaning, man, Scripture has errors. There's no way. That, that, that can't be. That, I just don't know how that could even be. How can you say the, bear, the Bible doesn't have errors? Well, let me tell you, and it may seem a little arrogant coming from my standpoint, but if God spoke it, it doesn't have errors. Now, that may be a challenge for an agnostic who thinks, well, I don't believe in God. Usually, people who challenge the, the inerrancy of God really struggle with their identity because they don't quite understand where they came from. And so when you don't understand why you, where you came from and you don't understand who has the authority in life, you kind of wander around and you have a little bit of bitterness and resentment, a little bit of standoffishness against the authority of God itself. And when we struggle with identity, everything else is in chaos in our lives, and we can't understand how a, and a, and a God, or the creator of all, can be without error because what we see is all the error in our own lives. So we, we put God down on our level and fail to remember that God is God. God is God. God is the creator of all things. And, and here's the thing you need to know. Many people who have identity crisis also struggle with the fact that maybe they were a mistake. And let me tell you, you're not a mistake. There's not one person in here that's a mistake. You were created on purpose and for purpose. God actually used a man and a woman, he put them together so he could birth you for a purpose. No matter what your situation is or your condition or your relationship with that man or woman that was put together, God put them together to birth you into purpose to bring the kingdom to earth, okay? You, you got to get that. It's not our place to judge the Bible. It's the, it's the Bible that will one day, it's the Bible, I will be judged by every word that passes through this, through me, and how did I line up with this? That we, we, we worshiped to these same songs. Change me, grow me, let me conform to you, let me become more like you. That's how we do it, taking in these words of life. Not beating people with this taking in the words of life, right? The Bible was written by holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven them in this life or the life to come. And the Holy Spirit is the one who breathed every one of these words so we might ought to watch the contempt that's in our heart against the word of God and the things that we speak against the word of God. That's huge. That's That's huge. Now, there's, there's something that people say, well, the, it seems to contradict itself. The Bible seems to contradict itself in some areas. And in order to be able to say that, you've got to understand laws of logic. And there's a second law of logic, and it's called the law of non-contradictory. The law of non-contradiction, rather. It means that there can be two expressions about a similar, the same event, and as long as one expression leaves it open for the other expression to be true and does not cancel it out, it says that both can be true and there is no contradiction. Let me, let me bring that down a little bit differently. So if there are two statements about the same event and one does not prove the other one wrong, if John says something and David says something and they're talking about the same event and the things that they're saying only adds to the conversation and does not take away nor contradict nor eliminate the possibility. If John doesn't eliminate the possibility of David, 
then there's no contradiction, though they're telling you two different stories about the same event. Y'all get that? Let me, let me give you some area, one area that people struggle with, and it, it's after when Judas betrayed Jesus. So Matthew says it one way, and Luke says it another way, and Jesus, you need, I mean, sorry, the Holy Spirit, you need to know, is riding through holy men, and who, know, who, who doesn't realize that we have, a, we have our own personalities? Uh, we, yes, that, let, me, let me just kind of plug this in. Equip Track, by the way, in Equip Track, we not only help you find our culture of who Thrive Community Church is, but we also help you find your personality and your spiritual gifts and the ways that you think, the way that the Holy Spirit has designed you on purpose so that you know, here's how I think, and wow, I don't have to judge everybody else because they don't think the way I think because God created them unique in a different way, using their personality for a purpose. You need to grasp that. Because God wrote, the Holy Spirit wrote through Matthew, through Luke, about this event. And Matthew writes it like this. He said, he's a tax collector. He says, Judas went out and hung himself. Boom. Point blank, just like that. I actually, if you don't know, tax collectors are straight to the point. I actually just, it's, it's amazing how when I'm about to prepare a message, the Lord takes me into a moment that lines up with the message with other people, a situation, whatever it is. It's amazing how God does that to drive it home in me. So I had to call a CPA this week, asking him about some legalities of business deal, things that, and he goes, yep, nope, you got to have this. If you're going to do this, you got to have it in by May 15th, boom. I said, boy, you tax collector, you accountants are straight to the point. He goes, well, today's May 15th, and I've got to get this done, and here's what you need to know. That was Matthew. Here's what he wrote. Judas went out and hung himself. Point blank, it's done. What do you need to know? He's dead. <clears throat> Same story, different writer, same author, Holy Spirit. Luke, who was a physician, came from a different perspective, said Judas fell headlong into a field, burst open, and his entrails spilled out. <laughs> does that, now, does that contradict the fact that, he, that Judas could have hung himself? Let me, let me take this a little bit down into deep east Texas country. A wild hog got hit yesterday, and I was on my way back from church. I couldn't stop by. I didn't see it. But on my way to work on Monday, boy, that thing was bloated and it just all blowed up. <laughs> Let me bring that down, back down to the culture of this story. Judas would have hung himself. Here's what happened. Judas sold Jesus for pieces of silver from the Pharisees. He, they, they gave him the money for, for Jesus. Where is he going to be? Hand him over to us. Jesus did, Judas did this thing. Felt guilt about what happened to Jesus. Goes back. He says, I can't do this. I don't want the money. Throws the money back at the Pharisees. Pharisees says, we can't take this blood money. We're going we're gonna, to got to do something with it. We don't know the time that lapsed between these stories. Judas goes. He hangs himself out of guilt. It's prophesied by Jeremiah thousands, hundreds of years before. The Pharisees go. They say, we're going to buy that piece of property. And we're just going it's to, a, it's a blood. It's a, we don't want anything to happen on this piece of property because Judas hung himself there, and he sold Jesus here. So we're going to buy this property in the name of Jesus, in the name of Judas. So Judas would have hung himself the, the eve before the Sabbath. Doesn't mean that anybody even knew he went and hung himself because it doesn't say that, that so-and-so went and helped him hang himself. So he goes and hangs himself before the Sabbath. No one would have gone to look for him because it was the Sabbath, and you can only walk so many steps from your own house. You can't do any work on the Sabbath, and for sure they're not going to cut him down because that, 
Why would they? Who cares about him? So there's all this chaos going on around Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. They're distracted. They're more concerned about Jesus trying to cover up the fact that he was resurrected from the tomb than they are wondering, where did Judas go? We don't know the time lapse. So what we do know, Judas went and hung himself. He was in the heat. If you've ever been to Israel, it's there in 2016. It's hot. It is hot. So Jesus, Judas is hanging himself. Who knows how long the gases are building up in his belly while he's sitting there hanging. He certainly was over, there, over a day, over 24 hours, because it was the Sabbath. And then, therefore, after, the gases at some point explode. Vultures show up. And I know if you don't, you don't, you don't want to see this, because usually on a hog, the, the vultures want to eat the soft end first, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> so, so putting all this story together... The gases explode, his entrails, he falls, he falls down from the tree, and his entrails explode, and they're all over the ground. Simple. They don't contradict themselves. It just takes simple logic to be able to understand, here's the signs behind that, and we don't know the time in between. It wasn't so difficult, was it? Now you've got two stories that don't, don't discount each other, though therefore the law of non-contradiction is still in place, and boom, there you go. Explain that the next time somebody tries to say that the Bible contradicts itself in this area. But it's time, it's time for us to grasp a hold of this whole idea that faith is much greater than logic, that God is much greater than our logic. Our minds are way down here, and God is way up here, and he can do things far beyond what our understanding could ever do. I'm going to show you what his breath is all about. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10 says this, The hand of, God, hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he calls me to pass by, pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? They were dry bones, separated, they were lifeless. So I answered, O Lord, you know. Now logically, can these live? O Lord, you know. Verse 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Verse 9, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And this is an, the awakening that we need to have. This story right here, spiritually speaking, reminds me. Notice he calls him son of man. Who is Jesus? Son of man. Son of God. Son of man, coined in both terms. He was fully man, fully God. And here is his God speaking to Ezekiel, saying, speak over these dry bones and bring them to life. And I feel like when the Holy Spirit fell, when the pneuma, when the breath came, and when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a dryness that comes alive. 
There's a dryness that God begins to put things together in your life and waken you into new things that you've never seen before, you've never experienced before of the supernatural, the spiritual realm, that all of a sudden, wow, shoot, I'm seeing things I didn't even know were there. When the Holy Spirit, when, the, when, the, when God breathes on you. I want to give you four points. I'm going to breeze through them pretty quickly. The breath of God brings understanding. Things we need to know, fourth truths we need to know about the breath. The breath of God brings understanding. Look at this, Ezekiel 37.3 said, And he said to me, to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, O Lord God, you know. I don't know. You know. Is this logically possible, Ezekiel, for these bones to live? Ezekiel's response is, Lord, if you say it is, but what, I, what my mind says is that it cannot. But my faith says, Lord, only you know. Whatever you say. Isn't it? So let's do this. Job 32.8 says this, But there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Have you ever, have you ever said, man, I just, I remember those phases, and you've probably been there, I just wish I knew, I wish I understood what was going on in my life right now. Youngster, I, I know I can feel it right over here. I was in that age group. I was in that age group. Man, I just wish I understood why these things keep happening. I wish I, wouldn't it be great if somebody just created a manual from the manufacturer that said, here's the answer, here's how you can understand, here's how you can, oh, there is. The, the, man, the, the creator of the universe, the manufacturer of the universe gave us the blueprints. He gave us the, 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 the instruction manual. He gave us everything that we need so that we can flip through and say, man, I wish I understood what was going on. Oh, that's exactly what happened to Moses. And here's how, here's how God worked this situation out. I'm wondering if God could do that again. The answer is yes. So then number two is, so number one, the breath of God brings understanding. Number two, the breath of God brings order. God is a God of order. God blesses what he says. He blesses what he intends. He blesses what he wants to do, what he's intending to do. And most oftentimes, the very conflict that we have in our life is because, is because that area of our life is out of order. You ever had chaos in your life in a certain area? Why does this keep... It's because yet in that area, my life, my heart is not completely submitted to God, and I'm not willing to do it God's way in that area of my life. So therefore... There's no order. The breath, when I allow the Lord to speak into my life in that area and allow his word to have dominion over my thoughts, my logic, all of a sudden he brings everything in order. He brings everything into order. And when we do things God's way, it brings order and it attracts blessings. Like it attracts blessings. If you ever grabbed an earth magnet and all of a sudden, boy, that thing wants to stick to everything. When we speak, when we allow God, when we allow God's word to take root and saturate areas of chaos in our lives, it starts to attract the blessings that we've been fighting for, working for, and effort, efforting our way towards. And for some reason, it's always just outside of my finger grasp. Order. Ezekiel 37, 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. The, 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 at the notion of God, Ezekiel said, I spoke God's word, and life came into order. 
He spoke what God was saying. He didn't just say, I'm going to start speaking. I'm going to speak from my own pride and my own arrogance. He spoke what the Lord was putting on his heart, was speaking to him. He began to declare these things, and God began to bless his word, and he began to put motion in order. I want you to hear the process. He heard from God and began to speak. He began to put things, what God is saying, he spoke, and God began to bless the very things that Ezekiel was doing because that's what God wanted to do on earth. A noise and a rattling began in, in order in his life, an order in front of him. An order began to come in together. It began to happen. Psalms 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all, all, all the hosts of them by the breath of his word. Not some of them, all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. The breath of his mouth. Uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. When God speaks, he exhales breath full of words that bring order from chaos. I want, you're, you're imagining right now that wow, there's chaos in my life in this area. And God is saying, I've got a word for that. Would you lean into me so I can begin to speak those things into you so I can change your heart and your perspective on this chaos and bring it into order through you? Man, hallelujah, hallelujah. You ever just needed a word from God in a difficult time that you just lacked understanding? Boy, I, I, I have those seasons often. Like I have those moments where Okay, this is happening. God, I need you because I can't figure this out and this can't happen on my own. I go to him with the word and here's what happens. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. When you do this and you lean into God rather than leaning into worry and anxiety and fear and frustration and all these other things that Satan would love to pile on, onto you, you start leaning into God and he gives you a word. I want you to take all that stuff that you've been wrestling with that's causing anxiety, causing fear. I want you to push that out of the way and put the word of God in that place and begin to look so intently at the word of God in your situation. So I'm looking at my situation, but I'm looking at it through the word of God because here's what the word of God says over that situation not all this junk that Satan is trying to distract me with. I'm going to live through the Word of God, and when I do that, I can stand poised. I can stand with confidence. I can stand with courage. I can stand with boldness because I know God is greater than this situation that is beyond me, and I'm not listening to the lies of Satan who's only going to keep me down and keep me from moving forward, and that's why God created me. Man. That's some breath for you right now. Right there. Here's what God does. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God is trying to send things through you. He's asking you, lean into me so I can speak to you. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my child, and I want to do these things through you, but I've got to do it in you first. And he can't do it in us until we believe him at his word and trust him and allow that to be our logic. This is way better than your response. <laughs> when we get our lives and our words in line with what God is, God's word says, blessings must flow. It's not might. Blessings must flow. Number three, the breath of God brings strength. 
Ezekiel 37, 6 says, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 8, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Now, a sinew connects tendon to bone, to muscle, tendon to muscle. And let's say that God has brought order and he's brought structure in your life, but you need something. You need something. You've got order and structure, but you need something to connect you to the power of God, the muscle, the power of God. You need something to connect you to the power, the, the muscle of God. And that's the word. This is the word that connects you to the power of God. There's this verse that says that God, the Father, is looking for people who will worship him and who will worship him in spirit and in truth. When you are in the word of God and you are receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit of God at the same time you're in the word of God, that's when power comes. That's when change happens. That's when revelation saturates inside. And that's when you have the power of God working in you and through you. Exodus 15, 8 and 10. This was actually a song. In fact, Revelation says that we're going to sing this song in heaven. So you can start reviewing this even right now. <laughs> Those of you who are going to heaven. I'm hoping it all. <laughs> if you don't feel inclined to review, I'm kind of challenging you. Never mind. And with the blast of your nostrils, the water, with the blast of your nostrils, like he just, blast of your nostrils, that waters were gathered Together, the floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed, meaning they became firm. In the heart of the sea, the enemy said, I will pursue you. I will overtake you. Here's what he's saying. I will divide your spoil. And this is what Satan is constantly taking. I'm going to take your stuff. I'm going to get you. That's not going to work out. Ain't going to happen. He says, my desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. And they sank like lead in the mighty waters. God blew, and the waters, the Red Sea just parted. One side, scientist tried to say, here's the logic behind this. The, the, the water was only six inches deep, and so they were able to pass right on through, which is even more of a miracle because then he drowned an army of Egyptians in six <laughs> inches of water. <laughs> wow. Number four, the breath of God brings life, brings life, and Satan is fully aware and has set up many counterfeits. I was washing my car the other day and getting ready to go pick up my, my in-laws, and here comes three ladies, three old ladies, and I'm like, what is this car doing? We got a long driveway. I've never seen this happen. They get out, and they get their little pamphlets, and they said, they started on me and said, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have all these shootings in school. We didn't have uh, these bombings going on. And now there are some kids are even using machetes. Will we ever have peace? Will we ever have security? I said, well, yes, ma'am, we sure will. As long as we're trusting in the Lord, he said that these things will happen. The good news is it means he's coming. As long as we're founded on the rock and our salvation is on Jesus Christ, then we can have peace, we can have security in the midst of everything else that's going on. It all depends on what we believe. They stood back and said, well, it sounds like you know the word. And so would you, would you like this, this pamphlet that says Jehovah Witnesses on it? We're out of here. That's exactly how that. I wanted to lean in a little stronger, but the Holy Spirit said, they're not your enemy. They are deceived by the enemy, 
but they are not my enemy. My responsibility is just love on them. So I was very kind, shook all their hands, gave one of them a high five because they loved that I knew the word, and they gently left. <laughs> Ezekiel 30:17 says, So I prophesied as he commanded, them, commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And this is huge. This is huge. We read all Scripture. Every bit of this is God-breathed. Every word in this has come from the nostrils of God. He exhaled this so that we can inhale this. He expired this so that it can inspire us and it gives us life. This is what Job said. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Do you know the very, breath of, uh, the very breath that you are breathing in and out comes from God himself? That's amazing. You can't even breathe without think, needing to think about God or thank God. Think and thank are the same in East Texas. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> so throughout the, throughout the week, I spend time and I'm breathing in the Word of God. And I hold on to it. I used to hold on to something else. But now it's the Word of God. Think about it. <laughs> and I come in here. I'm inspired. I expire what I'm inspired by, and I pour the Word of God all over you, and I give you the breath. But I got to tell you, you can't live by just breathing once a week. I've challenged, I've challenged us all to read the Word of God for the next 30 days, one chapter. Take one verse that God has given revelation about meditate on that let it let it take authority in situations in your life and watch God breathe into you watch him give you the bread from heaven the bread from heaven let him watch watch the water of the word wash over your situation I asked you to for God's sake take a bath and now and now I'm asking you to just breathe. If I can just get you to breathe. Breathe in the Word of God. I promise you, if you'll see it from a different perspective, and if you'll allow, allow the Holy Spirit to just breathe through you, to inspire you, there will be life change. And where there was chaos, God will bring order, and He will challenge you in every way up against the boundary of knowing here's the order and there's the chaos, he will use that to push chaos out of your life. 
then you will find the prosperity that the Bible talks about. I promise you. Let me, I want to pray for you right where you are. If you will, just close your eyes and get in that place when you're with the Lord. And there's this one question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? In what area, Holy Spirit, are you wanting to breathe into each individual in this place? And he's likely speaking over chaos in your life that he's trying to readdress. And this is an invitation to remove the anxiety, the worry, the stress, and the fear that is connected to that chaos designed by Satan so that God himself can bring order. And Satan is going to challenge that. Remember last week, Immediately, when God places a seed, Satan comes and he tries to steal it, steal it. So Satan is right now at work trying to steal the very word that God is putting in your life. And I want you to take it, meditate on it. Literally, see yourself removing chaos and putting the truth of the wind, the breath of God, the word of God that he's speaking over your situation and allow that to be your new logic, your faith, the lens through which you see the struggle, the problem, the chaos, and watch him rewrite the script of your life right then and there. And then as Satan tries to challenge it throughout the week, you just remind him, here's what the word says, it is written, it was spoken. The Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that contradicts his word. So go to the word. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Father, I just thank you for every heart that's in this place. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, they are allowing you to lead through love, through conviction, through righteousness, through the chaos and into order. Thank you that you are a God of, God, a God of order and love and grace and mercy and truth. Thank you that you have so many great things for us. Right now, I want to invite my altar team to come forward. If you will, stand up. We're going to worship.